Hey, everybody. Welcome to the GMB Fitness Podcast. My name is Jarlo Alano, one of the co-founders of GMB Fitness. I'm here with my friend and GMB lead trainer, Rose Caluccia. Hello, Rose. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay in this crazy, unprecedented time. Well, as you know, this is the GMB Fitness Podcast. GMB stands for Grandma's. Mamas and boobies, grandmas, <laughs> mamas, and boobies. Well, today we are going to talk. What are we talking about today, Rose? We're talking about the feet and the ankles. Ooh, feet and ankles. So this is part of a series on uh, on body parts. We're going to do shoulders, wrists, back, hips, and today's ankles and feet. Uh, so generally, we start with a little bit of anatomy and physiology, not too much to make your eyes glaze over, but just enough to get you kind of thinking about where what's going on with your, your feet and ankles, which is massive. This is something you could talk about for hours because it's relatively complex. You know, it's more than just your foot moving up and down side to side. Uh, you have the your two shin bones, the fib, fibula and tibia. Tibia is the big one on the inside, fibula is on the outside. Um, and then they connect to an intermediary bone called the talus and then into the heel and all of those small bones in your feet. Um, the reason it has to be like that, even though we're bearing weight through through them, right? You're standing on it, you're running, you're, you're doing all these things. You still have to have some fine control there for uneven ground, all of these things. Uh, so it's not like if you imagine like... Uh, action figures and dolls or it's just like a stick uh, joined to another stick they have to have a and th this is the thing is like if your feet are so stiff or your ankles are so stiff you notice it even just walking around even though you think oh i'm just walking uh, so it's it's analogous to the wrist and hand uh, the small bones going from uh, the shin into the feet are there to move correct move move uh, correctly and uh, with variability uh, no matter what ground you're on. So uh, we could talk about, a lot about it, but just with that in mind. So it's not just like a hinge. It actually has to rotate and, and twist side to side. Uh, and with that, you're going to see a lot of, a lot of small ligaments, really thick ligaments on the inside, outside of your ankle um, makes it, Everyone has probably experienced rolling their ankle and spraining their ankle. And it's actually a wonder why we don't do it like every day. It's just so robust, right? It's just so robust. So I think that's a good one. Um, we can have some anatomy images and charts and all that stuff, but I think that's just a little too much. Yeah. Well, okay. So now that we know kind of what the ankle and foot are supposed to do, what are the things that you typically see that go wrong with ankles and feet? Like, how to how how you know we all sprain them like you said or roll them why why does that why? happen <laughs> well, well Charlo, okay, tell so, me why right that well the, the thing is too is notice when you i think we can all kind of look back and when we sprain ankles and do all this stuff sometimes it's not even you would think oh we're running we're doing sports and yes of course like that kind of stuff where it's fast and then you lose control and you know it's traumatic, someone hits you. That's obvious. But also think about the time when it wasn't that. You're just walking along. 
Mm-hmm. Right. You're just walking along and then you uh, say either you step into a, a hole. Right. Or you trip on your own feet or you trip on like a, a on the stair. Like those are the ones. Now, what are the times when, when it just really wipes you out versus you just stumble and you're like, oh, crap. And then you stumble and you didn't you didn't do it. So for me, a lot of it is, uh, is a quickness of awareness. And that's really relates to if we're going to talk about everyday things like how tired you are like how fatigued you are in your body and, and in your your mind because if you don't have that reaction time and when when i mean reaction time i don't mean like conscious because this happens too right quick. reflex it happens, yeah it happens way too quick and so the, you know talking about reflexes and all that that really does like the speed of it really does matter like what your overall condition is it's uh, it's one of those things like, uh, you know, everyone's talking about sleep this last year or so. Like, oh, the importance of sleep, right? Yeah, sleep's important. One of the things that they found is, you know, a really high percentage of injuries happens with the less amount of sleep you get at night, right? I, I think, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's like around, if you're at five hours of sleep, you're like 30, 40% more likely to, to get injured or something like that. Wow. And so that's that's part of it. Right. And it's hard. It's again, there's more nuance to it. Like, oh, if you were faster, if you're speedier, but that's one thing because we have ligaments and tendons and, you know, all that stuff that it's structural stability. But really, you know, when you got all your body weight rolling over these small mm-hmm. bones, you know, it's again, it's a wonder. It's a wonder why we don't have it uh, right. happen more. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, and can you talk a little bit about the difference between repetitive use injuries and overuse injuries, just so we're clear on the difference yeah. before we start um, talking about specifics? Yeah, because that will help because once we start talking about injuries and, and how get, how get uh, past them, uh, knowing those. So in terms of mechanism, mechanisms of injury, an overuse injury is, is in our definition, it's when if you look at it's like when you're not used to a certain thing, right? Uh, the classic example is like when people just start to exercise or start to play, you know, sports on the weekend when they don't do anything at all, right? And so you get up, you get on the, the field or you get into practice and you feel all right. You're like, oh, I'm going to do it. But then like, an hour later, a few hours later, the next morning, you're like, what the hell had just happened? Your body just simply wasn't acclimated to it. Mm-hmm. So within the word overuse, it says you're not used to it. Okay. And that's distinct from say repetitive strain where uh, say you do a job or you do a, an activity that you, you, you know, you've done for a while, you know, months or years and you're fine. But then all of a sudden you start getting these little aches and pains or tendonitis. And it's because for whatever reason, that activity became too much for you to recover from. Uh, it could be that you've just gotten, you know, gotten older, gotten weaker. You haven't maintained your strength. Uh, maybe you were sick for a bit, you know, um, maybe it just kind of ramped up a little bit and you thought you were getting used to it. But, you know, it's sort of like the activity goes up and you go up with it, but then you, that curve drops and you just mm-hmm. Ready. It, it's fairly complicated, but the, those are the big distinctions between overuse and repetitive stress. Overuse can happen like immediately, right? Overuse is just like a day, an hour, 
right? Repetitive strain, it happens over time, even if you are kind of used to the activity, but over time, it just breaks you down. So like our typical ankle rolls or sprains, those are more overuse injuries typically? Um, They could come from that. So there's another, especially in ankles uh, and feet, there's another reason for an injury and that's trauma. And that's what I mean with like, it's obvious, like you got hit or you stepped into a, a hole and then you twisted it. That's not overuse. It could be that overuse led to that because you weren't used, you know, you weren't strong enough. You weren't used to it. Maybe it would have been something that if you were readily running a lot, right. Doing things that your body would have been a little bit more prepared for it, but there's only so much preparation you can have for trauma for surprise. So yeah, that's a good one. So you got trauma, overuse, and repetitive stress, and it's sort of a continuum there. Okay. Yeah. And with the rolling and the spraining with ankles, what's like a course of treatment look like for that? Like when do you need to go get imaging done versus when can you just self-treat at home? Because it's a trauma that clearly happens a lot to right. a lot of people. Right. Uh, there's, a, there's actually an algorithm for that or a, a rule set. It's the Ottawa rules you can google it we'll put in the show notes and it's for uh determining whether someone should uh you know get an x-ray or or just go to the doctor and uh so say you have a trauma like you uh brain your ankle one of the rules is can you walk on it a few feet without like thinking you're dying <laughs> right the other rule is uh you know those little knobs on the side of your ankles, they're, the, they're called malleoluses, you know, outside, inside, mm-hmm. external, internal, if they are tender to the touch. That's another indication that probably you need an x-ray. So those, those two things there. It, it's sort of like what we always say. It's like, you'll know. You'll know. Like, how bad is it? If it's like unrelenting pain and you're like, what the hell? And it doesn't get better over the next few hours or it swells up to the size of a cantaloupe. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you go, should go see somebody, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems common sense, but it, it's hard when you get injured. You're like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. What the hell? Uh, in terms of like, so say you get it, you go and you get it checked and then they give you a brace. They give you a boot, right? That's right. the normal thing. Right. Uh, because maybe, maybe you did get like a little hairline fracture or maybe it is just a, 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 a pretty bad sprain, but it's not like completely torn. Right. Well, that's, that's all they're going to do. And then hopefully you go to physical therapy and, and work on stuff. But if you don't, uh, you know, there are stuff you can do at home if you you don't have the resources or, or you know, all of that stuff. So, like a typical thing for for uh, ankle sprain, uh, an inversion. Say the the typical uh, thing for rolling an ankle is when you roll onto the outside, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you or your feet kind of your toes go under you, and then you you sprain it that way. Um, what you're looking there at is a the ligament on the side, uh, anchor, anterior talofib, right? It's a little bit in front, out to the side. And then uh, that's the most commonly sprained ankle. But also you have to realize that there's nerves running through too. Mm-hmm. So you can have traction injuries at the nerve. And so one of the things we've seen, you know, uh, in therapy over the last 
probably 15, 20 years is the recurrent ankle sprain. Right. Like once right. you sprain it, you're more likely to sprain it again. Yeah. That's, that's totally it. You know, it, it's funny, but yeah, the, the most, uh, common way, uh, not common. Uh, what's your highest prevalence of getting injured is, you know, prior history of being injured, mm-hmm. especially in the ankles. Cause what you see there is like a, a disruption in the proprioception, right? Your body awareness of where the joint is in space, along with like, you can say you have ligament, like looseness or laxity because of that. That's true. But it's also just your body, you know, it's just confused. That's a good one. You know, this, again, this, I hate saying, I'm trying to not use real technical terms, but your, your body's essentially confused at like, what's a good, uh, this is zone of where your ankle should be. Right. And that's like when people say, oh, it feels wobbly, it feels shaky. And that's exactly what it is. It doesn't feel solid anymore. Right. Right. And so you either have that or you have it where you feel like it's so stiff, you can't do anything. Right. And, both of those are sort of the reaction to trauma because your, your body immediately is either gonna, is going to swell, it's going to swell up. Your muscles are going to cramp and get weak, right? Because they're trying to protect you from even moving it at all. They treat, it treats everything like a, you've broken it, right? So right. get off of it. Right. And so that leads to this, uh, lack of, you know, the, the nervous system, like, Oh, everything just shut off, just shut it off. Right. And if it's shut off, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of effort to, to turn it back on and turn it back on correctly, right? To kind of do those dials and do the levers to, to make sure everything is uh, set the way it used to be. Okay, so then I have a question based off of that. So say I sprained my ankle really badly. I go get imaging done. Nothing's that dramatic. They put me in a, a brace or whatever. I have to like do the like, you know, icing it, whatever, stay yeah. off of it. Okay, then once I get better and, you know, more imaging's done and I'm clear, if it still is hurting or it's still really stiff, then what do you do? Like what would be your prescribed course? And I'm, and I'm thinking about our, our feet and ankle article and the routine. Right. Talk yeah, about like so, why movement, getting back to movement is so important. So that's a good one. Yeah, so uh, again, we'll put it in the show notes or you can just Google GMB feet, GMB ankle. And uh, I put a routine in there, which is pretty extensive. It's actually one of the longer ones we have. Mm-hmm. Because again, just like we said earlier, it's pretty complicated. It's fairly complicated. And so uh, what, I ha- what I put in there is, you know, it's a range of motion things. You know, you always go and, and it's much pain-free kind of thing. But you can, you'll notice when you look through it is like all the combinations of movements right? Mm-hmm. It's not just back and forth, but you're working in diagonals, you're working on all that stuff. The primary thing for that, it fits into what I just said, is you're trying to retrain your, your brain and the nervous system to kind of realize where your foot is now, right? And mm-hmm. it's not, you're trying to convince it, oh, it's, it's fine to move in these directions now, but also to remind it that it can, right? Mm-hmm. And along with that, you know, that's sort of like the nervous system retraining nervous system education thing but along with that is um the actual structure of nerves and tendons and the joint and the muscles they you need to go through those ranges structurally right uh people don't really realize uh that 
the nerves themselves don't just carry pain and all that, but they have a structure, they have a sheath, they have, you know, the, the nerve wind moves within it. Um, this reminds me of, I think it was a couple months ago or a few months ago, you had an email from someone with a, was it after surgery or what was it? Do you remember what it was? I don't right now. Yeah. It was like, a, I think they might've like broken a bone, like one of the small bones in their feet. Oh yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Right. And then, but they were, it was over. Or not over. But it was healed. Right. Right. And they're like, I still have trouble doing this, this. And, you know, the simplest thing was like, oh, go to this r- routine and, and work through it. And then you had mentioned a couple of weeks later, they said, oh, man, I feel so much better. Yeah. Right. And it's it's just like, oh, just move, just move. Right. But you have to move in, a re- in specific ways and, and in ways that will, uh, uh, you know, simple. You say blood flow and joint nutrition and all that stuff. But really, it's retraining your 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 brain to understand what's going what's what's really going on in your mm-hmm. ankle and your foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's really helpful. And then let's talk about a different kind of injury that we hear a lot about. So we hear a lot about strains and sprains and rolling of ankles, but we also hear a lot about plantar fasciitis as like another um, kind of injury that people come to us with, looking for some guidance around. So. Maybe you, you've had plantar fasciitis. Oh, yeah. Um, so it. you can I've speak to how painful it can be. But can you talk a little bit about why, it, like what it is and why it happens and how something like our foot and ankle routine could maybe help? Yeah. Uh, so one of the things about plantar fasciitis is um, it's sort of one of those blanket terms. Like anytime people have pain in the sole of their feet, mm-hmm. you know, and even the do- doctor, like those that say, oh, it's plantar fasciitis. But there's actually a big uh, what they call differential diagnosis for for heel and and foot pain it could be plantar fasciitis for one it could be uh that you have a fat pad in the heel that can cause pain you have a different uh, nerve thing like morton's neuroma right all of these types of things but whenever someone says plantar fasciitis it is a really specific thing um, one of the uh the plantar fascia in the arch right provides the rule of stability right one of the the tests is to uh pull the big toe back you know your your big toe and Mm -hmm. and lift up the toe and then you can see how the fascia and the arch again i'm oversimplifying but how that uh becomes taut Mm -hmm. right becomes tight then you palpate through there uh that's that's one of the the things it's fairly complicated but um plantar fasciitis is something where Theoretically, it's the inflammation there that's just not going away, right? The typical presentation is uh, you wake up in the morning and it's worse in the morning. Mm-hmm. You get up, you move right. around, and then it gets better throughout the day. So that's right. one thing. If that if you don't have that particular symptomology, you probably not plantar fasciitis. So worse in the morning. Yeah, worse in the morning, uh, but then you move around and it gets better. Uh huh. But then it repeats. Right. The next morning right. it's back. The next morning. And uh, so let, let's kind of circle back and I'll use my, uh, the la- not the last time I've had it on and off, but the, one of the times where I had it for, it was really bad. It was for several months. And it, this goes back to, you know, overuse and repetitive strain is when I had moved to a house that had all hardwood floors, hardwood and concrete. And I was used to, I'm barefoot all the time, right? But I was used to carpet right and all that stuff and so within i want to say like within a month i was like what is going on 
And I straight up had it, classic plantar fasciitis, classic, classic. And that's an example of kind of both overuse and repetitive, like it became overused, it was overused and it became kind of repetitive strain because I wasn't used to it, right? And then it started hurting, and then it would get better, and then start hurting, started get, and it, um, then it became like I was on it so much that it wasn't giving my body time to recover. Right. Right. If I would have simply worn slippers or shoes, right, and we can talk a little bit about that later. It's like when you use support, when you use that kind of thing. Right. There's lots of people who are like, oh, you should be barefoot all the time. All the time. All the time. Well, sure. Right. It's good for you, but even in my case, I was barefoot my whole life. Right. Right. right? When and a surface like, change totally made right. an impact. Exactly. Exactly. And so with that, you know, uh, plantar fasciitis, there's all kinds of stuff that people say, all kinds of stuff. You rub it with uh, a frozen bottle, right? You wear a night splint at night to stretch your calves out. I've done that too. You, know, you do all these things. Um, unfortunately, once it's kind of full-blown, you have to do like everything you can, right? It's <laughs> one of those things. Down. Yeah, because you're on your feet all day. Right. You are. And you you don't. You have to be, you want to be, it's worse. It would be worse if I just kind of, what, you're going to go around in a wheelchair because you have plantar fasciitis and stuff. Right. That, that would cause other problems. So that that's a hard one to to bring up. It's like, oh, what do we do for plantar fasciitis? I could tell you all kinds of things. I'll tell you what, what we did in the clinic, you know, what our standard thing was, was uh, mobilize the foot and ankle, right? Get those joints moving as much as can, you know, manipulate it, do all that stuff. Uh, really work on the calf a lot like hard massage hard massage so you can stretch it out because that's one of the main things if you can stretch out your calf and your make sure your big toe extends that's a lot of the mobility issues right there then make sure those small joints of the foot and ankle are moving and in terms of exercise it's posterior tibialis work right posterior tibialis uh, brings your foot in and up and it's the stability there. Like we hammer those things and it seems to help quite a bit. So a lot of the things that you were just talking about with the calf and mobilizing the foot and extending through the toe, like all of that's in our foot and ankle article. All those movements yeah. are in there. So if people are feeling that, they could start by using our tutorial right. to see if that helps a little bit. Right. And also too, you'll. it's funny, but we also tell, have people saying they feel better when they do the locomotion work. That we, that I have we that on my list of things to talk right. about. How uh, does our locomotion work? Because look at the bear, right? Look at the bear, like the regular bear or straight arm, straight leg. You know, you're stretching your calf. You're making sure that the, the, the big toe moves through the motion. And actually, as you go through it, you're getting some uh, nerve, uh, nerve mobilization, right? Sciatic and, and cerebral and all that stuff. And so a lot of the reasons why our locomotions that we teach and people feel like, like, Oh wow. Why do I feel so much better from doing these? And it's because they're so new to you, right? There's stuff you don't do. And they're very useful because it takes your body through these ranges that one, you're not used to. And two, you have to do it. You should, it just helps you so much. Right. So that's, you know, that's, that's probably the, the best kind of thing we can say for this without saying, Oh, I have to have to have you come in and, and look at you, right? Right. Right. 
So the routine that we have plus locomotion and our elements program are great for a lot of foot and ankle problems that totally. people have. Absolutely. Great. And then can you talk about a little bit about the whole barefoot versus not barefoot thing? Cause like, that's a really big thing in the fitness industry right now is oh, barefoot man. training and, and barefoot running and um, being, you know, shoes off all the time in the house. You know, how is that really good for us? And when do we want right. to shoes on? Right. Right. Well, the, the thing I want to say about that, like it's been how long? I remember talking about this for like 15 years now. Yeah, it's right, been a right? while. It's been a long time. Well, right now, what I would say, the easiest thing to say is that any extreme is bad, right? Because I remember talking to someone, I forget who it was, and um, we we're talking about the use of orthotics. So ortho orthotics are like art supports. You know, either you can have them really custom ones when you go to the podiatrist or the doctor, or you just go to... Yeah, you just go to the drugstore and get some, some off the counter stuff. Yep, over the counter stuff. And this man was saying, "Oh, it's bad. You should never use it. It's like, it's like, uh, let me say, uh, I don't know. It's, like, it's just a band aid. You never, you know, it's just the worst thing in the world. You need to exercise and do all these things." I'm like, "Yeah, of course. Why don't you use both?" Why don't you use something that will help you feel better and take away some of the pain while you exercise, while you do all these things? So it's the either or extreme to me. That's just like whatever. So yeah. barefoot all the time. You need to go and you need to run, right? And and it's the straw man of, oh, then you need the most supportive shoes with the most cushion you could ever have, right? It's all based on the individual. And and really, it's not even like the anatomy. There's some people with flat feet, like straight up flat feet. They walk in the sand and it looks like flippers, right? <laughs> and they don't have any pain. Straight right. up no pain, right? Totally. And then you have people with beautiful arches, just like, oh, look at that structure, right? And then they have pain, right? It's not, there's so many things involved with why you're having pain or why your feet don't feel great. And it, a lot of it, isn't due to your structure. It's not. Because uh, one of the things, if you were born like it, say you had flat feet, you were born, right? But you just accommodated and you adapted and you were active and you're doing things, most likely the problems you're having, you know, aren't due to that. Maybe later on, maybe it'll create some trauma because of the, you know, you can't generate a lot of power, you know, do all this stuff, you sprain it, that type of thing. So barefoot, yeah, like I said, I, I'm barefoot all the time, right? I, I wear slippers. I wear flip-flops. So every, every, oh, that's the whole thing, man. I wear my freaking flip-flops and I'm in my jeans. I'm doing exercises. And invariably, there's a comment like, oh, oh slippers yeah. are bad for you. Flip-flops yeah, are no, bad no. for you. I'm like, flip-flops are bad. Everybody says that. Flip-flops are like, so bad. Well, it's been like almost 46 years. My feet are fine. <laughs> right right oh but you had plantar fasciitis like dude shut up just shut up right i think it's what you've adapted to right and 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 that's probably one of the reasons why uh there's so many success stories of people like wearing shoes and doing all these things and then they've decided to try barefoot training and then all of a sudden oh my feet so great right it's because you got all those shoes and you're you're supposed to do back and forth Right? Uh, right. From my, your foot's supposed to move more. Yeah. So that's, you know, I hate just saying, oh, this is my example, but 
yeah, I'm barefoot for most of my life and, you know, training every day. I train and do all this stuff. But when I run, I have really good cushion and supported shoes when I run. Because if I don't, I'll mess myself up. You know, after five, six miles, you know, in, in like a minimalist shoe. No, thank you, man. I'm yeah, I was going to say. I have run in every kind of shoe I have run in. I've run in, I've run from literally barefoot to like minimal sneakers, really, you know, supportive shoes. And I mean, I suppose if I trained it more, I could, but five to six miles was my cap in a minimal shoe before, like I started to feel my knees or I started to feel. Right. And I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty common. Right. And that's on concrete running on concrete. That's right. Right. Versus say, Oh, you're on grass, whatever. It's all context. It's all context. So I, I would always be aware of anyone that says, oh, barefoot all the time, you're going to do this. Or the same thing, like, oh, you know, you got to wear the best shoes you can and get these $500 orthotics and always wear a brace. You know, that's a big clue as to like, well, wait a minute. What's your context? Where are you in your life? Right? Where are you in your kind of fitness and your condition? Because it, be, it could change from now, six months from now, a year from now all of those things, right? I, that's the thing when, when someone says, oh, it depends. Well, yes, it depends, but then you have to know all of these things that go into the it depends part. Because it's just as bad to say it depends. No, right? And a lot of times you can, you can figure out yourself. You kind of do a lot of trial and error, like you just said. You've tried barefoot, tried minimalist, do all these things, and you can figure that out for yourself. You can also uh, get someone you trust, like a healthcare professional or a trainer, all that stuff. But really beware of someone that's just so rigid in their thinking. Jesus Christ. Right. Because odds are they don't do that for themselves. Right. Really. Come on now. And also, it's not in terms of like black or white, like you can't just flip and do the other and expect it to like always just be okay like you kind of need to let your body acclimate like if you wear really supportive shoes all the time and then you want to start going barefoot in your house you might not be able to do it all the time right in the beginning that's the that's the overuse thing Mm -hmm. overuse goes both ways yeah absolutely so with ankles and feet you know we of course have to talk about the squat because a lot of people start off with using our programs and they try out locomotion for the first time, especially like our monkey or our frogger where we drop down into like a deep squat with our heels down. And a lot of people can't keep their heels down. Um, Will you talk a little bit about like the relationship of the squat and ankle mobility and how our locomotion programs work on that? Sure. Well, one of the things, um, so I think we talked a little bit about this before in the hip when we talked mm-hmm. about the hips in the hip podcast, depends on whether you have weight on your back right, or on your body right. or, or you're unweighted, so body weight squat. And so for local motion, mostly, unless you're wearing like a vest, you're going to be unweighted, right? Uh, the structure of your body for the squat, if you have long femurs, short femurs, you know, the, your upper thigh, if you have a long torso or a short torso, right? So this is a good one. If you go and, uh, again, our squat article, GMB squat, we have a really good picture of uh, I'm in there and then a couple other people right. with totally different proportions. Right. Like again, I'm here, so I'll use myself as an example. I have a really long torso, short legs, right, and my flexibility is good. So I can be like I can have my chest totally straight up and down, squat all the way down, and my ankles are actually not that 
well, they're flexible, but they don't need to be that flexible because my, you know, the leverages I have. Right. Right. And I'm the opposite of you. Right. Right. So my short legs, my long torso, I can totally, my front squat and my back squat, like in the, with barbell, almost look, look I can make it look the same. I can make it look the same, but you have someone that has longer legs like you, maybe a little bit, uh, the portion of their torso, and they'll have to bend forward at their, their uh, waist to get that, that, uh, that's that deep squat mm-hmm. or their ankles have to be super, super flexible. Right. Which mine aren't. So, right. right. And so that's what it is. It's like a lot of times when people say, Oh, my ankles aren't flexible enough for me to squat. It's probably because your leverage is up higher require you to have more because if you look at it and we've done this in the clinic and, and different things, their ankle flexibility is actually not that bad. It's not bad. Maybe they need a little bit more to get what they want, but then you're like, Oh, why, why, why? It's because of all the other stuff. Right. And so in, in the case of body, body weight squats and locomotions, you just sort of have to acknowledge that and then notice that maybe you will have to lean forward or hip hinge a little bit more. Maybe or your, your knees, back will be more rounded or maybe your back will have to be more rounded or your knees will have to kind of travel past a bit. Uh, right. So this is kind of a, the thinking we have to have beyond just like, Oh, it's my ankles. Right. And yes, you should, you could work a lot on your ankles. And in this case, it's working on your ankles in the bent knee position. Right. So uh, just a little quick thing. You have two calf muscles, the gastroc, and the soleus, the gastroc crosses the knee, right? And the ankle. So you stretch that out when your knee is straightened out, when you're extended. The soleus is when you're, uh, it only crosses the, the foot and ankle, doesn't cross the knee. So you're going to stretch that out more when you are, uh, when your knees are bent, right? And then, of course, you have, you know, ankle joint itself and all that. But really working a lot on, uh, on the bottom of the squat. And actually, you don't have to have your heels down. You don't. You can totally have your heels lifted up. That'll help, right? And then it'll help you to spend more time in that position. And as after a while, your heels will come down, right? Mm-hmm. In the bear, and monkey, frog, or other locomotion and stuff like that. So that's yes, you could definitely work on your your ankle flexibility. But I think for a lot of people, you have to realize there's only so much you can do because it, your body type might be. Uh, and I hate to say it because it's not limiting, but it, it's just going to your expectations of like how long it'll take for you to, uh, to be comfortable with it. And also your expectations, sometimes you're just not going to look like someone else. That right. You, like my squat really will want. never look like you, yours right. ever. Right. And right. I, I mean, there was a time for anybody listening who doesn't have their squat with their heels down there. There was a time not too long ago where I could not have my heels down in the squat. It took me a long time of working a lot on my squat to be able to do everything with my heels down and not feel terrible. Right. And I think that's empowering too. So you don't have to take this as like, oh, my structure will never let this happen. It's more like, well, if you wanna if you want to get as far as you can, it's gonna take effort and time and you need a little mm-hmm. bit of patience with it. So I think you can make this an empowering thing versus, ah, fuck it. I'm never going to look like that. So I'll just never do it. That's wrong. That's the right. wrong way to think about it. Right. So, um, for people who have, so there's some of us who have tight, tighter ankles and, you know, feet are, we're, we're a little bit more like structurally solid. 
in that way. And there are people who are more flexible, who have a tendency to roll their ankles more and all that. Can you talk a little bit about why locomotion can help both both types out? Like why locomotion helps build strength and stability, but it can also build flexibility and increase range of motion at the same, doing the same movements. Right. I think uh, it goes back to what we talked about earlier is because for a lot of people, locomotions are very new. It's a very new stimulus, right? And so there's one thing, any kind of new stimulus is sort of uh, perks your brain up, perk the nervous system, like, oh, what's going on here? Right. And so it's sort of an equalizer in that respect. So say if you have, a, if you're a little loose or wobbly, or, or if you need uh, a little bit more flexibility, it sort of evens you out. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. It's just a new thing versus, oh, like, though this exercise is straight for hypermobility or this exercise is straight up for strength. Right. Every, it's everything. It's everything if it's a new thing for you and if you're trying to move with control, if you're trying to do good form, if you're trying to uh, to explore your movement within those sort of foundational patterns, right? And so that's one, I think. It's just sort of an equalizer. If you're, if you're here and if you're here, it sort of brings you back to the middle, right? Mm-hmm. It's an aggr- a regression to the mean type of thing. Now specifically for say you're tighter right uh and let's just use the bear because that's a a good one for the ankle um sometimes you'll be on your toes right Mm -hmm. through the movement but sometimes in during portions of certain portions of the movement it's less of a stretch so that you'll be flatter right and so it takes you through the ranges in uh it takes you through the ranges over time within mm-hmm. the repetition, within the performance, but also does it in a way that's kind of unpredictable for your body, mm-hmm. right? Anytime you have to turn or move around, and that's a really good thing for, uh, for uh, improving stiffness. It's because it, these, again, these new sensations, your body has kind of keep guessing on it a little bit, and you're spending more time than you otherwise would if you were just kind of sitting into a stretch or like you're in this, you know, you're trying to stretch your calf out on the stairs. Are you going to do that for five minutes? No, probably not. Right. But it's much easier to do these other, these locomotions for five minutes. So, you know, like not on a row, but over time, cumulative. Yeah. And uh, the same thing, if you're feeling sort of wobbly or you've sprained your ankles, um, you know, these new inputs and working with control. So that's what I think it is. Mm -hmm. So people can, if people have stuff with their feet and ankles going on, they can definitely check out our free article, which has like a great routine. It also includes those calf stretches that you were talking about, both straight knee and bent knee. Yep. Pretty Um, comprehensive. And if people want something more structured, they should check out our elements program to help with uh, both either stability or flexibility. Absolutely. And they can always write to us because you might get me responding to you. Right. And so this is what we've tried to provide for people. It's like, yes, we have our programs and yeah, we want you to use our programs and get them and, and benefit from them. That's why we sell them. But we also have this articles and this podcast and our uh, support staff, our wonderful support staff, which has mm-hmm. trainers and coaches like Rose and, and others and also people that are just you know very familiar with our programs and, and all of that. So uh, we're just trying to help as much as we can. And so we have a lot of different avenues to do that. 
Yeah, for sure. So if any questions come up, please feel free to email us at howdy at gmb.io. Right. And then make sure you just address it to Rose so she'll answer all of your hundreds and thousands of questions. <laughs> right. And when well, I don't know them, I go bother Jarlo and ask him. Yeah, through uh, just text me. Text me at 11 p.m. at night. <laughs> uh, well, I hope that was helpful to everybody. Uh, so we have show notes and on all these things, but just like Rose said, if you have any questions, just email us or Facebook comment or whatever you want. So thanks so much. Thank Take you. Care.